The Sex and Spirituality Podcast is a show where we have real deep conversations about everything from love, sexuality, trauma, metaphysics, and healing. I am your host, Lauren Coletti, a feminist poet and grad student studying forensic psychology with a study on sexual health. As a domestic violence and sexual abuse survivor, I hope these vulnerable conversations inspire you to take an introspective look at yourself to help better your life and the people around you. Thanks for listening. You all know how much I adore, absolutely adore meditation. And I always encourage all of you to engage in self-care like yoga or meditation rituals. As a certified yoga instructor and meditation teacher, I am so excited to announce my collaboration with Bloom, the meditation app. Meditation is crucial in our self-healing journey to promote relaxation and better our sex relationships and everything in our everyday lives. So if you are struggling with mental health, anxiety, or stress, a daily meditation, even just five minutes for beginners, helps to stay calm and grounded throughout the entire day. People over at Bloom app have given me a seven day free trial for my listeners. Enter the code bloomers when you download the app. That's B-L-O-O-M-E-R-S. I will link that in the show notes today. Welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I am your host, Lauren Coletti. Thank you for joining me today. Happy Hump Day. It's a beautiful day out today where I'm at in Long Island. Uh, I think that spring is over because here in New York, at least on Long Island, we really don't have seasons, right? It's like six months winter, then it's like four weeks spring, then it's like six months summer, and maybe like three weeks of fall. It's really strange. And I feel like every year that passes, the weather gets more extreme and everything's being kind of like pushed off. So hashtag climate change. (laughs) But anyway, I hope everyone's mental health awareness month is going well. Uh, If you do anything at all this month, at least just take an inventory of your mental health, do something every day to enhance your mental wellness and well-being, and perhaps even look into therapy to get counseling. I love psychology today. That's how I find a majority of my mental health practitioners and clinicians, and you can filter it by insurance, type of therapy, and location. And I'm also enjoying my uh, Bloom Meditation app, which I will link my promo code if you guys want to try a seven-day free trial. Uh, Meditation is a crucial part of our overall physical, mental, and even spiritual health. So for today, I wanted to talk about learned helplessness Uh, self-harm, depression, and self-talk, and kind of how they all intertwine. Uh, I've realized that learned helplessness is hella fucking real in my life. And I was actually listening to a podcast and someone mentioned learned helplessness the other day. And I realized what a big role that has played in my life. And I had to talk about it. Um, Learned helplessness is a state that occurs after a person has experienced a stressful situation repeatedly. They start to come to believe that 
they're unable to control or change their situation. So it's kind of like you don't even try, even when opportunities for change arise and present themselves. And this term was coined in 1967 after a series of psychologist experiments in animals, which I hate animal testing, really hurts my heart. Um, and unfortunately, this is real and goes on every day. But anyway, um, obviously, animal testing, they all apply their research to humans and learn helplessness. It is a close friend of mine and I'm trying to like break off the toxic relationship and it's just hard because it leads to increased feelings of stress and depression. It could definitely be linked with PTSD. Um, For me, it for sure was. And according to the APA, this occurs when, you know, the person is repeatedly exposed to a less than ideal or negative situation and then does not exercise control when it becomes available because eventually we become desensitized to it, right? We learn we're helpless in a situation and no longer try to take proactive steps to change because we're convinced this is our reality. And once a person having this experience discovers really that they cannot control events around them. You lose motivation. Even if, you know, something happens where you're able to alter your circumstances, you do nothing. And individuals experiencing this are often less able to make decisions. It increases your risk of hopelessness, which is linked with depression. Um, And Martin Seligman, um, one of the psychologists that helped create Define Learned Helplessness, detailed three key features. So that's becoming passive in the face of trauma, difficulty learning that responses can control trauma and can increase in stress levels. So for me, um, I know when I was in a domestically abusive relationship, um, I felt helpless in the face of trauma to the point where if Unfortunately, if I was being assaulted or abused or violated, I would kind of do what the rabbit does. It's like fight, flight, or freeze, and bunnies tend to just freeze and sit there when they could run or escape. Um, That's kind of how I personally dealt with my trauma. Um, And this theory, I think, is super prevalent, especially it appears in situations of anxiety and depression. And in adults, learned helplessness presents as a person not using or learning adaptive responses to difficult situations. So people in this state typically accept bad things will happen and we have no control and they're unsuccessful in resolving issues even when there is a potential solution. So some examples, if this is not making sense to you, um, that can you know lead to learned helplessness is Continuing to smoke despite several attempts to quit may cause a person to believe that they're always going to be a smoker. Being unable to lose weight after making various dietary or lifestyle changes can cause a person to believe they'll never lose weight and give up trying or learning like leaving a situation of domestic violence can be obviously one of the hardest things a person will ever do. And women having this experience tend to leave several times before doing so for good, which happened to me. Um, And this can kind of cause you to believe you're never going to be able to escape your abuser, even when help and support is available, which um, you can always escape an abuser for the most part. Um, So let's just get that out of the way. But why does learned helplessness affect some people? 
and not others. And I want to really tie this into the spirituality component because this for sure goes hand in hand with the law of attraction. If you don't believe something's possible for you, it's not going to be possible. Things You can accomplish things when you believe that you're able to achieve them, right? When you set your limitations, you get to keep them. That's a saying I'm pretty sure I battered, but it's true. We set that glass ceiling for ourselves. When we tell ourselves, I'll always be fat, I'll always be ugly, I'll always be unlovable, I'll never get a good job, I'll never make six figures, I'll never achieve my dream career, aka everything I've been telling myself the last 26 years, guess what? It becomes your reality. I've really, I've recognized this because The universe is a mirror. It is a reflection of our beliefs. My boyfriend's the complete opposite of me. Like he's the most hopeful, positive, optimistic, glass half full person. And guess what? He has a life that is pretty freaking, you know, like enriching and good fortune. And we become adaptive to our environments. So this is so true. A person's experiences especially if you had early trauma in your life, increases your risk of developing learned helplessness. It typically begins after experiencing repeated traumatic events like childhood abuse or poverty growing up, um, living with a parent who's mentally ill, domestic violence. However, although not everyone that goes through these things will develop learned helplessness, but Explanatory styles also play a role in its development. So an explanatory style is a person's way of explaining an event to themselves. And I'll get into self-talk in a minute. But people with a pessimistic explanatory style, like me, um, which causes us to view negative events as being unavoidable and resulting from their own shortcomings, are more likely to experience learned helplessness. Um, Something I said the other day, which unfortunately I'm making my reality because I keep speaking it into existence is good things never happen to me. I have horrible luck and nothing ever works out for me. Well, guess what? (laughs) I'm right because that's what I speak into existence. That's what I believe for myself. On the opposite hand, people with an optimistic explanatory style are less likely to do so. And this is so important in Mental Health Awareness Month because learned helplessness is linked with health problems, depression, PTSD. Um, Research indicates that it increases feelings of stress, anxiety, and depression, not just in humans, but also in animals. And learned helplessness might increase the risk of post-traumatic stress disorder and major depressive disorder, and it could lead to self-harm. But you can overcome this. I think it takes a lot of commitment, um, a lot of therapy, um, challenging how you think and how you act. And in therapy and counseling, you can receive, receive, take a deep breath, Lauren, support and encouragement. You can explain your origins of learned helplessness, develop ways to decrease feelings of helplessness, to identify those negative thoughts and those patterns, those thinking behaviors that reinforce and contribute to learn helplessness. And thereby we can replace these thoughts and behaviors with more beneficial ones to be more positive and improve your self-esteem and work through challenging emotions, address instances of trauma so that you can set goals and tasks for yourself to prevent and decrease learned helplessness. Um, you know, although like 
anything we do is every is how we do everything, right? So obviously we want to be eating well, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, exercising. Um, these things benefit your physical health, which will in turn benefit your mental health naturally. So obviously um, being healthy all around, practicing mindfulness, meditating, journaling, doing self-care, it will improve your mental health and your outlook. Um, but I would highly suggest if not already seek professional treatment. So the effects of learned helplessness can be extensive and impact a person's mental health extraordinarily. It could also impact your relationships and all other aspects of life, um, increasing risk to depression, anxiety, low self-esteem. And this isn't to feel bad about it. And it's so funny because sometimes I could beat up on myself for being so negative and pessimistic, and then it just increases the guilt I feel about it. And it just exemplifies the shame and it's this horrible pattern. It's not your fault you have a history of abuse or your circumstances growing up. This makes you prone to learn helplessness. However, it is possible to commit to overcoming it. And, you know, if you can relate to this or feel you are experiencing learned helplessness, you should speak with a professional or a support team or good friend who can help you to take control of your circumstances. And I've realized that surrounding yourself with people who are supported and grateful and positive and optimistic rather than people who are passive and give up and are easily frustrated and don't put in a lot of effort and have low self-esteem is really important. When bad things happen, we like to believe that we would do whatever necessary to change the situation, but it's easy to feel like you have no control over what happens and simply give up and accept your fate. Um, and I don't want anyone living like this because I've lived like this for so long and I'm trying to turn it around. And a lot of it comes down to self-talk, negative self-talk and how toxic this could be. We all have an inner critic, right? And at times this little voice can actually be helpful and keep us motivated towards our goals um, like when it reminds us what we're about to eat isn't good for us or what we're about to do might not be wise. However, this voice can often be more harmful than helpful, particularly when it gets into the realm of excessive negativity. And this negative self-talk, the way we talk to ourselves is so crucial and it could really bring us down or it could really lift us up. Negative self-talk is something that most of us experience from time to time and it can come and present itself in many forms, but it typically creates significant stress, not just to us, but to people around us. So um, know that your self-talk affects your body, your mind, your life, and your loved ones. Um, your negative self-talk could just simply sound like, I'm not good at this, so I should avoid attempting it for my own sake. Um, I can never do anything right. Um, I got a C on a test, so I'll never be good at math. Or I'll never be able to get into a good college, and on and on and on. The musings of your inner critic might sound like a critical parent or a friend from your past. It could even sound like an ex-abusive partner, and it could follow the typical path of cognitive distortions like catastrophizing, blaming, and so on. So basically, negative self-talk is any inner dialogue you have with yourself that might be limiting your ability to believe in yourself and your own abilities to reach your fullest potential. It's any thought that diminishes your ability to make a positive change in your life or your confidence in yourself to do so. So negative self-talk can not only be stressful, but it can really stunt your success. I want you to know that 
you know, for me at least, I was in many abusive relationships. And although I am out of those relationships, I can still be very self-abusive, abusing myself in the ways that they used to, even though they're not in my life anymore. And there are so many consequences of negative self-talk. It's like constantly on repeat. And this could really damage, uh, I don't want to say we'll be damaged from it, but it could be very detrimental. Um, and a study actually found that ruminating and self-blaming over past events were linked to an increased risk of mental health conditions. And this is all about raising awareness, right? So focusing on negative thoughts and allowing them to rule your life will lead to like depression, um, this critical inner dialogue, it just decreases our motivation and our overall life satisfaction. It increases our feelings of helplessness. And you are the co-creator of your life. You are in the driver's seat of your own life. And there's no reason with so many things that already stress us out, all of life stressors, that we have to continue to stress ourselves out even more. I know it's so much easier said than done, but give yourself a fucking break, right? Um, This could present itself as limited thinking, perfectionism, feelings of depression, relationship changes. So one of the most obvious drawbacks of negative self-talk is that it's not positive. And I don't want to be like all, oh, you have to be positive, like look on the bright side, be grateful. Because obviously there's a time and place for that, but we don't need any more toxic toxic positivity here when we're probably already feeling bad about ourselves for not being super Pollyanna, right? So for some, simply stopping negative thoughts called thought stopping or challenging your thoughts in their tracks could be helpful. Um, Even for me, sometimes when I'd find myself doing these behaviors that weren't serving me, I would snap a rubber band on my wrist. Uh, visualizing a stop sign or simply changing or challenging your thought could be helpful. Um, Very challenging, but it could be helpful. So, you know, replace the bad with some good. Replace it with something better. Take a negative thought and change it to something encouraging. That's also accurate. Repeat these, I don't know, mantras or affirmations. Some people really enjoy doing this and find this to be life-changing. Um, And this could work well with most bad habits. It's a good way to develop a more positive way of thinking about yourself and life. And I get how difficult it could be when life has presented you with a number of hurdles and roadblocks, and it just feels like things never get better. For me, saying and speaking my thoughts aloud um, could be helpful or telling a trusted friend what you're thinking. You know, have people around you that can kind of challenge it. Like, I know it's not helpful when you feel ugly and you say out loud, oh, I feel so ugly. And your friend's like, no, you're beautiful. You're just like, yeah, you're just saying that because you're you're my friend. You're full of shit. But if sometimes you could shine a light on how ridiculous some of your self-talk could be and have a good laugh instead, um, at the very least, it could bring about some support. So just realize that some of your thoughts are unreasonable and unrealistic and just assumptions based on your past. So we have to shift our perspective. Sometimes looking at things in the long term can help us to realize that we place too much of an emphasis on something. Um, for example, you may even ask yourself, um, is this going to matter in five years or will this be a, such a big deal in one year? Um, it can really change your, your point of view, right? Um, So just sometimes picturing yourself 
out of body or viewing your situation from a great distance or as a friend can give you the validation that things aren't as big as they seem. Think like a friend. When our inner critic is at its worst, it can sound like our worst enemy. Um, And oftentimes we'll say things that we'd never say out loud to our friends. So why not reverse this? And when we catch ourselves speaking negatively in our heads, make a point to imagine, you know, saying this to a treasured friend or a dog or a child, you know, (laughs) if you know you wouldn't say it this way, think of how you'd share your thoughts with a good friend or what you'd like a supportive person to say to you to shift your self-talk in general. So all in all, cross-examine your inner critic, change negativity to neutrality, even if you can't reverse your thought from I'm so hideous to I'm the most gorgeous person on the planet, you could say perhaps what if I X, Y, and Z. So contain your negative negativity, sometimes even giving our inner critic a nickname or a face to catch it uh, helps us to remember that. Thoughts and feelings aren't always reality, right? Thinking negative things about yourself might feel like an astute observation, but your thoughts and feelings of yourself can definitely not be considered accurate information because our thoughts are based on our experiences, which are skewed like everyone else's. So we're subject to the influence of our moods and our own personal biases, right? So I'm just trying to emphasize we have to minimize our self-talk if we want to decrease learned helplessness. Um, and thereby improve our life, right? So this is all about empowerment. This isn't about making you feel even more shame than you might already feel. This is all about increasing our self-esteem to improve our mental health in turn to overcome learned helplessness, right? Um, It's all about decreasing our stress levels, taking care of our physical health, mental health, and increasing our motivation and well-being. So if you feel like learned helplessness might be having a negative impact on your life, consider talking to someone about steps you can take to address this type of thinking, which probably isn't serving you. So thanks so much for listening. I'm going to end this here. I'm going to work out. I've been doing my bar workouts lately on OpenFit, which is like a online virtual kind of like Beachbody and I've really been enjoying it. So thanks for listening.